Hey guys, welcome back to A Look Into Leukemia. My name is Nick, and this is episode two of the podcast. So if you're returning from episode one, welcome back. And if you're new, um, I would check out episode one if I were you, but episode two is still going to be great. Um, episode two is going to be about my treatment. So as I mentioned in the previous episode, my treatment was split up into a few different stages. First stage being induction, which the goal was to just get rid of leukemia and just get it completely out of my body. Stage two was going to be called consolidation. And what that is, is just making sure all those leukemia cells are still outside of my body. Um, and then stage three is the bone marrow transplant, which is where all of my stem cells are replaced by a donor stem cells. So that's sort of my, my treatment plan. And today we'll be talking about uh, the chemotherapy treatment, which was induction and consolidation, so the first two stages. So last episode, I talked a little bit about um, my treatment plan, the first stage, and how I was going to be treated pediatrically because at the time of my diagnosis, I had just turned 19, and the doctor thought that I would respond very well um, and even better to treatment, pediatric treatment. So we felt that that was the best step. And for those of you that don't know, pediatric treatment is a little bit more intense than um, adult treatment. And I forgot to mention last episode that they did also find leukemia cells in my central nervous system, which is along the spine. So I was also getting chemo injected directly into my central nervous system through the spine. Um, and I was getting that alongside uh, my IV chemo in the first and second stage. Before we get started, I do want to reiterate that I'll be telling you guys about my treatment experience and what I went through, but not all cancer treatment and leukemia treatment is the same. So each uh, chemo regimen is going to be specifically for that person. So each patient goes through something different and each patient's body responds differently. So I'll be telling you guys about what I went through but that is not representative of all treatment experiences. So with that said, my treatment started August 16th, the day after my diagnosis, and I was getting, was getting two drugs through my IV, through my PICC line that was inserted through my arm to go next to my heart. Um, and it was, it was funny because the first drug was called Donorubicin, and it wasn't, it wasn't a normal, it wasn't clear. The drug wasn't clear, so I was just watching this this orange liquid just flow through there, go up into my body, and it was weird because that was sort of the start of it all, and and it just looked weird. So, um, but as I mentioned last episode, I was being treated pediatrically, so I was expecting my treatment calendar, my treatment schedule, to be booked to be every day getting chemo. Or getting something um, and that wasn't the case at all actually I had six days off most weeks um, and I, all my chemo was on one day so that was to my surprise but it was also to my advantage because those drugs were so heavy that my body needed time to recover and I actually needed several transfusions throughout the week to maintain me and keep me on the minimum healthy level because the chemo drugs were so hard that they um, hit my body in a way that I couldn't produce um, enough blood to keep me healthy. So that was a key theme and a really big theme throughout the whole cancer treatment. It's just 
transfusions after transfusions after transfusions. And as I mentioned last episode, I was actually discharged just two weeks after my treatment started inpatient. So my body was doing so well and responding so well to these drugs that I was able to go home and drive up to the hospital a few times a week to get my chemo instead of staying in the hospital um, under un, to be monitored for 24-7. So that was a huge blessing. And honestly, I was only there for two weeks and I don't remember too much um, the treatment from inpatient. Um, most of the memories that I have are just good memories, like playing guitar and spending time with my family, watching movies, doing puzzles. So all these memories were honestly good memories. And I don't get me wrong, there were bad memories. Um, I did not like getting IT chemo. I did not like getting IV chemo. I did not like a lot of the side effects, the tummy side effects that I had. Um, and but I think it's still just a testament to how hugely blessed I was during treatment to, to not really have so many bad memories from my first hospital stay. So I was discharged on August 30th. I was able to go home um, and see my family, which was a great feeling because I had not seen my family all together in a few weeks because there was COVID restrictions and I could only have one visitor at a time and one visitor a day. So I hadn't been able to see everyone all in one place. So it was just a great feeling to be back. But it was also a very scary feeling because I was so heavily immunocompromised, I could get sick from anything. So going home, I definitely had a great deal of anxiety because I was just worried that someone might bring something home and get me sick. I was just worried that something I touch in the house might have a germ on it that I can't fight. So being immunocompromised definitely brings out these these anxieties and these worries in you that you don't normally have and that normal people should never even be be concerned with. So it was definitely hard and very emotional when I first got home and, and understanding and realizing my current health. and in the state of my immune system, in the state of my own body. So that was something that was a little bit of a shock. And especially because before treatment and before my diagnosis and all that, I was the type of person where going to the doctor if I was sick was like my last resort. I would just stay home, I'll fight it, I'll get over it, and then I'll, I'll move on. So that was a very big change for me. Um, but the support that I got from everyone was was just genuinely incredible. Um, I felt so genuinely loved and cared for in those moments more than I ever have in my life. Um, and despite all the amazing support that I was getting from everyone, I wasn't able to see anyone um, other than my immediate family and those who lived, like those who lived with me, um, because I was at such a heavy risk for getting sick. Um, I had to isolate myself from everyone I knew um, besides those who live with me. Um, and also what didn't help was this was during the pandemic. So this was last August, August 2020. Well, actually September now, September 2020. But COVID-19 is running rampant outside and we don't want to know what's going to happen if I get that. So we were very, very cautious um, with even just bringing things in the house like if my father went out shopping, he would he would buy like maybe 
um, some food, but he, when he came home, he would wipe it down with with um, Clorox wipes. So we were very cautious and very um, careful so as not to bring any germs in the house. Now, at this point in treatment, I'm about three weeks in, and I was told before I started, my doc said, look, you're gonna lose your hair. He told me, it's just gonna happen. So I, I gave myself a buzz cut. I didn't I didn't cut it all off. I didn't just go directly bald. I gave myself a buzz cut so as it fell out, it was shorter and it just wouldn't, I don't know, be as irritating. Um, and yeah, three weeks in, I, I still had a decent amount of hair, but every time I would touch my hair or rub my hair, I would get a huge loose, uh, a huge handful of just loose hairs. So it was time for my hair to go. Um, and I held off for as long as I can because I, you know, no one wants to see their hair fall out. Um, and especially as a cancer patient, because when you're bald, when that hair is finally gone, you're really a cancer patient. That really cements it. Um, that's how I felt at least. I felt like as soon as all my hair was gone and I was bald, uh, there's no turning back. Yeah, I have cancer. I have to acknowledge it. Um, and so as long as I had hair, you know, I looked, you know, somewhat healthy, somewhat like a normal person. But as soon as that was gone, I'll be looking like a cancer patient. So I held off for as long as I could. But eventually I had my little brother shave my head. And that was just, yeah, that hurt. That was hard. I was internally distraught. Um, and I tried not to show it, but I think definitely in those moments, it was, it was apparent. Um, and that was a huge landmark for me because along with the, the, the hair gone and being bald, I was on a, a drug called prednisone, which is a corticosteroid. And one of the side effects of that drug is to just give you huge fat cheeks. It gives you something called moon face. And so I would look in the mirror and I would see a bald man with fat cheeks. And I'm like, man, who is that? It looks nothing like me. So I would just look in the mirror disgusted and, and just not even recognizing myself. And that was so discouraging. So I never wish that upon anyone because looking at yourself and feeling disgusted and helpless to change anything um, and just genuinely looking sick um, is an awful feeling. And that was something that, that really hurt me deeply. So I'm at home now, I'm bald, uh, I, don't, I don't know who I am, and I'm still receiving treatment. A few days a week, driving up to the infusion center and receiving chemo. And so I only had a few weeks left on that, my first phase when I was discharged from the hospital. So I finished that pretty, pretty swiftly. And so the next stage was stage two, the consolidation phase. But we actually had to wait a few weeks before we could start it because my absolute neutrophil count, which is the count of your neutrophils, which is a white blood cell that fights infections. Um, so my absolute neutrophil count was too low to start um, the second stage. So I think we had to wait. Then when those were high enough, we started the second stage. And as I mentioned, because they were treating me pediatrically, the second stage was supposed to be very intense. I was I was told the whole time from uh, from the moment I started stage one that stage two is heavy. Stage two is where it gets serious. Um, so I was gonna expect to lose weight. 
I kept being told, you're going to lose weight. You're not going to want to eat. You're going to lose weight. You're not going to want to eat. So I kept hearing those things and people telling me that. So actually during phase one, um, <laughs> I tried to eat a lot because I was, I was already a pretty skinny guy before I started treatment. And I was also on, as I mentioned, a drug called prednisone, which it also makes you, it makes you hungry. So I was pretty hungry um, a lot during uh, my first my first phase. So I was eating a lot, um, which was pretty surprising um, when I think about it. For a cancer patient, you know, normally you don't think they eat a lot, but actually during my first phase, I ate a lot because I was hungry, and also I was trying to put on weight because I knew that I would lose it later on down the line, um, and I didn't want. Um, to not have that excess weight to lose, and then my body ends up eating my muscles instead. Um, so I was just trying to put on weight. And so stage two rolls around. I'm being told it's going to be very intense. And I'll be honest, it was. Uh, stage two is a lot harder than stage one. Um, some of the drugs in there were very heavy. Um, and it was overall a lot harder than stage one. But in stage two, I also did have a chemo pill, which was interesting. I took that orally um, a few times a week, and I still continued with the with the chemo into my central nervous system, which was injected through my spine. So doing that outpatient, what that looks like is basically I went to the infusion center. Um, I would lean over on a table, pull up my shirt so they could see my spine, obviously, and the nurse practitioner would come in, she would give me a shot with lidocaine to numb the area, and then they would just inject me with chemo directly into my central nervous system. And honestly, I didn't feel a thing. Um, it wasn't too bad at all because I had lidocaine, which is a numbing agent. So the whole area was pretty numb. Um, the only thing is that they tell you, you just have to lay down for like 30 minutes afterwards because if you move, you can get this insane headache. But I'm pretty good at listening to advice. So I just laid there and I never I never really struggled with that. Um, so on top of that, I got also the IV chemo, which was just like anything else. You just go there, they hook you up to it and you just chill. You just hang out and then when that's done, you're you're good um, if you didn't need any transfusions. Um, so a lot of times um, you, you'll need transfusions actually. So what they do is they actually try to get you there early in the morning. So I would I would sometimes go there at like 7.30 in the morning. Um, they would take my blood, look at all the counts, and then they would tell me if I needed to get maybe a bag or two of platelets, like a bag or two of, of um, hemoglobin. And then we would plan all that. Um, and I would get that, I believe, before I got chemo, but um, or it might have been afterwards. But either way, I would get both chemo and red blood cells. So when you go there, you know you're going to be getting a bag of chemo, which sometimes the bags are 15 minutes, sometimes they're 30 minutes, sometimes they're an hour. And same for the blood. Some was short, 15, 30 minutes, but some was long, an hour or more. So... When you go there, you don't really know for sure how long you'll be there. So that's why they try to get you there early. And I remember one time I went there, like 7.30 or so, but we ended up being there all day. We were there till like 2 p.m. And, oh, man, it's just long. But because it's so early, honestly, most of the time I just went there and I went back to sleep. 
while they gave me my IV chemo. So that was how it was at the infusion center. And then I would go also to the doctor's office where they would well, meet with my doctor and we would just discuss whatever um, was needed to talk about that week. Um, but after stage one, and then I believe also after stage two, we did a bone marrow biopsy, which I talked about in the previous episode, which is where they pull out a little bit of bone marrow from your hip. And they do this so that they can analyze the blood contents um, that you're producing. Um, and this is the best way to see what types of cells you have and what if there's any leukemia cells. And so on both biopsies they did, they found no leukemia, which was great. Um, and then also every time they do IT chemo, which was the chemo through your spine, they withdraw some of your spinal fluid um, to look for leukemia cells. And also on that one, no leukemia um, for a while. So I was looking really responsive to treatment um, as soon as we started it. So from the very get-go, um, my body was responding exceptionally well. And I didn't have any major uh, speed bumps as far as responding to treatment. So I mentioned that I never got sick during treatment and that was a huge blessing. But that doesn't mean I avoided the ER. I actually did have one ER visit, which was honestly unrelated to actually treatment. It was, it was actually an allergic reaction to a nausea medicine. So this one week I was feeling extremely nauseous. I just, there was nothing I could do. I just had to lay in bed all day and I didn't like that. So I'm like, hey, can I get another medicine? Because this other one's not working for me. So they gave me a medicine. It was called Compazine. And I, I started that. And then after a few days, what happened was I was getting ready to go to bed for the night. And I laid down and I just started, I started smiling. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. And I tried to stop and I couldn't. And then um, it just kept progressively getting worse. My lips were actually tensing um, and I couldn't stop it. So I got my mom and we called the doctor and they're like, yeah, you need to go to the ER because I don't know what that is. Um, so I ended up having to go there um, and we didn't know what it was and my lips were just tensing up. Um, so my whole face was just, it was just, it, it hurt um, because my lips were just incredibly tense, but not, not just my lips, but my, my cheek muscles. Um, so like I was, I was grinning like super wide, like to my ears and I couldn't stop. And then, so we got to the hospital and they were trying to figure out what it was. And then it got worse. And actually what happened was my neck muscles started twitching too. So I was just doing my neck back and forth, whipping it back and forth really aggressively. And my mouth was, my jaw actually, it switched. So instead of grinning, my, my jaw was actually locked open. And so my <laughs> picturing it now is funny, but my jaw was locked open and my neck was just aggressively going back and forth. So I'm just in there, no control, doing that for a few hours until they figured out what it was. And it was actually an allergic reaction. So they gave me some medicine for that. And they, they told me, just don't take that medicine again. I'm allergic to it. So, and that was completely unrelated to my cancer treatment like my chemo and all that because that was just an accessory drug that I wasn't required to take I asked for it um, but it happens and I'm okay now um, but that was honestly that was probably one of the hardest experiences 
because um, I lost control of my body. It was scary, and I thought I was having a seizure. My mom thought I was having a seizure, and yeah, it was it was very scary because I didn't know what was happening, and I knew it was completely unrelated to um, to like my blood and stuff. So um, there was that, and that was the only ER visit or anything that I had during treatment. Um, so. What did my day-to-day look like? So, of course, we had the infusion center. We had doctor's appointments in the actual doctor office, um, which was not too far from the infusion center. And I had these probably took up three days a week. Um, And when I wasn't there, I was just hanging out at the house, um, playing games or watching TV. Um, just spending time with my family because that's one thing I learned during treatment was just how much my family means to me and how much I, I love spending time with my family. Um, but I wasn't able to play guitar at all, actually. One of the things that chemo caused for me was loss of neuropathy in my fingers. So I could not feel the tips of my fingers and I couldn't play guitar and that just discouraged me greatly and I, I didn't I barely touched music for the majority of my treatment, which was honestly so so contrary to what I was doing when I was in the hospital because when I was in the hospital I was playing guitar the whole day and that's how I passed the time. But when I got home I I no longer could play at all. So instead I was just hanging around the house watching T V um, doing some puzzles, reading some comic books, playing some video games, and yeah, just resting really. A lot of laying down, a lot of sitting around um, because my body was extremely weak. I tried to stay active as much as I could while I was at home, but um, yeah, I, it was hard. Um, I definitely tried to walk, but I didn't walk as much as I should have. Um, I tried to do some push ups, but I couldn't do any push ups at all. So. Staying fit was definitely harder when I was at home because when I was in the hospital, they had an exercise bike there and I did that a lot. And that was a great tool to have. But at home, passing the time was just really hanging around, taking some naps, watching TV, that's about it. As we progress through stage two, we start to meet with the transplant coordinator to try to figure out what we're gonna do for my bone marrow transplant because we know for sure that my case of leukemia is gonna require me to have a bone marrow transplant, which is where they replace your stem cells, your blood producing cells with that of a donor. So we knew that that was coming up and we were only moving closer to it. So my family, my mom, my dad, my little brother, and my older brother all got tested to see if they were a match to be my donor. Um, We also looked into the bone marrow registry, um, which is a worldwide registry of people who can potentially and are possibly willing to donate their bone marrow to you. And this registry is something that anyone can join. And I actually highly encourage you to join the registry because you can end up saving lives for someone like myself. And so you can do this through an organization called Be The Match. Um, Be The Match is sort of the organization that connects all the pieces and um, connects patients with their donor. And it's super easy to join the bone marrow registry. 
Um, you can go on their website and read about it, but um, all you do is you order a, a swab kit and you send it back and they'll analyze it and then they'll add you to the registry. And then if you ever end up being a match for someone, they'll contact you um, and then you can choose whether you want to donate or if it's not the right time. But it's something that I highly encourage um, and highly advocate for because you can really end up saving a life um, and it's at no cost to you um, to join the registry. Anyways, we were looking at the registry for donors. We were looking at my family for donors and we ended up selecting a donor. And because of my case of leukemia, which was acute and very aggressive, we wanted to push me into transplant. We wanted to get the transplant soon and we didn't want to have to prolong it. Um, and with the options available to me, we wanted to really get the transplant as soon as we could. So we set a date on October 13th, um, and that date was going to be November 25th. Um, and because that date was just a month away and I was in, in the middle of stage two of treatment, we actually cut off stage two of chemo treatment a few weeks before the end. So that was nice because it gave my body time to recover and prepare for transplant and prepare to be knocked down again before transplant because I would be getting chemo and radiation before my transplant. But those two weeks before I got the transplant, they were nice because no treatment. Um, but We'll get into all of that next episode, which will be about going back to the hospital for the bone marrow transplant, um, which was the key, the biggest part, um, the most influential part of my treatment, and the thing that still sticks with me today and will forever. Um, so I'm really excited to be sharing that with you guys next episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in and I hope to see y'all next week on episode three of A Luke into Leukemia.